The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, Kinky Connections and Kinky Education. We're kinky done differently. what women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy. As well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self. With questions asked by a guy. And now here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, hi there, catsuit. Hi there, Nookie. And welcome to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, a show about how people connect and how people connect with their authentic selves. I'm John, also known as Hi There Catsuit, and on today's show, we're going to meet the Los Angeles Dominatrix, who has developed an amazing following thanks to a good sense of business and the ability to connect with so many. Justine Cross is a dominatrix and BDSM consultant quarantined currently in Los Angeles. She owns Dungeon East and Dungeon West, two premier BDSM studios. She is an educator, a provocateur, and an all-around badass bitch who runs BDS Femme, an all-women's play party. In the state of rainbow panic and glitter, she organized and hosted the first LA Kink Pride, a series of events and classes conducted entirely online. She has appeared as herself on Funnier Dies five in a row, Annie's Sex Life, Lifetime's Little Women, and VH1's Hip Hop Hollywood. Justine has acted as a consultant for GQ, the film Bound, and Janelle Monet's Make Me Feel video. She's also appeared on numerous podcasts, including Savage Love, Dear Prudy, and American Sex, and for a number of campaigns and projects for major brands, such as an educational intro to BDSM series for Yandy. Her favorite things to do in quarantine include buying plants, going to virtual strip clubs, and having craft cocktails delivered weekly. Let's find out why so many say, yes, mistress, to mistress Justine Cross. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. The first time you ever felt different. <laughs> different how? <laughs> so many ways to answer that. Um, I don't know. I, I think I always knew I was in my own drawer. <laughs> <laughs> first time you ever picked up a flogger or whip and your reaction to it. That one I do remember. I I was at a relative's house and they had uh, horses. So they had a horse whip or some kind of bull whip in there. And I remember picking up and just thinking, wow, this feels right. First time you ever entertained a professional client and your emotions going into it. Hmm. Gosh, it's been, it's been so long to remember the exact first experience. Well, actually, I think the first professional Dom experience was I came someone and I came someone until he came, but all I did was cane him. So that was, that was pretty good. My first time out. <laughs> first time you ever received an unsolicited dick pic and your reaction to it. Is that it? I, you know, I don't think I have, I don't really get, now I'm going to get them all the time. I don't really get them that often, but you know, I think it's really brilliant that someone now, uh, we now do these dick ratings. And so if you want to send me a picture of your dick, I will charge you to look at it and then tell you what I think about it. Whoever came up with that. Geez. First time you were ever surprised by a client 
that made you go, wow, I never expected this? Hmm. I think one of my, um, well, many surprises. I think one of my clients who surprised me a lot when I first, when I opened Dungeon West and he surprised me by buying pretty much everything I needed in it to make it work. That was a very lovely, <laughs> very lovely surprise. Are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and review. We really appreciate your feedback. What is your fantasy? Do you have a secret? We all have sexual fantasies or secrets. That's what my show is all about. My name is Nikki. And I'm the host of In Bed with Nikki. In this show, it's all about sex and the fantasies that people have. Reading from my emails directly and anonymously sent to me, together we will explore the experiences of everyday people, just like yourself. Often, this is the very first time they've told anyone else about them. You can find In Bed with Nikki on Podchaser, Spotify, Apple iTunes, and anywhere else you find your other favorite podcasts. And remember, for every problem, there is a solution, and I happen to call it an orgasm. And until next time, enjoy. Hello, I'm Jesse Sage from Peep Show Media. Peep Show Media is a multimedia magazine bringing news and stories from the sex industry. Be sure to check out our website at peepshowmedia.com for essays, porn reviews, events, interviews, news stories, and more. Also, make sure to listen to our podcast, The Peep Show Podcast, anywhere you get podcasts. And for a bit more of a personal glance into my life, make sure to check out my January 15th interview on what women and other wonderful humans want. I feel nervous talking to you. Oh, good. And that brings joy to you. Oh, it does. It pleases me immensely. The Baroness, April 20th on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Justine, when people try to connect with you, what are some of the mistakes that people make when approaching you for the first time, whether that be personally or professionally? Well, professionally, definitely not reading my website. Um, you know, I've just gotten a whole like bunch of inquiries to my inbox lately about in-person meetings and photo shoots. And I've been, you know, quarantined since March. Um, so that's one. Um, two, I, I think per, on a personal level is just um, in any way um, underestimating me or, you know, being rude or, you know, trying to have some kind of weird, you know, dick measuring contest. It's not really going to work. <laughs> Is there a good way of approaching you and something that will immediately get your attention? Well, I mean, I think it's always good to be professional and polite when talking to me or any other person. But I mean, quite certainly, if you send a nice, huge, fat tribute along with any sort of correspondence, you're definitely going to make it to the top of my pile. <laughs> Were you kinky before starting all of this, or have you grown kinkier since you started your professional dom? Oh, I've, I've definitely always been kinky, but certainly um, this world has afforded me an insight and interest into a lot of other kinks and experiences that I probably wouldn't normally have. Um, so that's been, it's been really enjoyable. What started you into kink? Um, just, well, I mean, the Princess Bride movie where, <laughs> you know, he's getting tortured and you realize you feel a little funny. <laughs> So has anyone ever given you the safe word inconceivable? <laughs> Not yet, but, you know, we could try that role play. <laughs> I must admit, before starting our interview today, I watched a couple of videos, and one of them was your NBA League Pass parody, which might have been one of the funniest things that I have ever seen. 
Can you explain to me the inspiration behind that, especially since you use the term sports ball, which is one of my favorite terms? <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, it was it was like a little commercial parody um, for, you know, something to do with the NBA sports ball thing. And it, it was really wonderful. It was the first time I worked with a very specific script. Um, so I had to memorize lines. I couldn't just do what I wanted. So, but it was interesting working with the the actor because, um, you know, he was pretty open to most things, but there's a scene where, you know, we wanted to gag him and he's like, he got very upset. He's like, no, I can't have anything in my mouth. Like, we're not going to mm. do that. And, and that was what the director originally wanted. And I worked with him and I said, oh, it's okay. Like, well, what about if we use like this, you know, um, bondage shape, like gaff tape over his mouth and if, is that okay? And so that was nice to do something like that. But for some reason he had no problem with the fuck saw, which was like <laughs> the dildo, like right by his face. Like he had no problem with that, but he had a problem with the other thing. So it, it's fun working with um, with comedians doing things with BDSM because it's funny and it's, it's like fun to make fun of it together and be silly but not obviously when people are making fun of bdsm or being like you know horphobic or kink shaming or sex shaming hearing you on that video i thought you were a basketball expert i was beginning to wonder <laughs> is she just a huge fan uh no they they definitely fed me all my lines <laughs> I was really hoping that we'd go somewhere. It was so fun. And then, but then like that show got canceled, but I was already talking my way into like, well, I want to be like on sports center when you guys do the thing. And I'm just there like fucking with you and like, bring me to a game. And like, you know, just, I, I like had a whole thing of like, let's just fuck around. And, but it just nothing, you know, it didn't, um, it didn't continue, but you know, it had nothing to do with me. <laughs> Do you have a funny story about a distraction within the dungeon, although I could not imagine anybody being distracted, where they were thinking about a game or something that they shouldn't be thinking about, and you were like, wait a minute, we're here in a dungeon, and I'm supposed to be doing wonderful things to you, and you're thinking about a ball game? Not that I'm aware of. I, I can't imagine they'd be distracted. I mean, sometimes, you know, we all have real life, real world things going on. And sometimes it's hard to get someone into the game as it were as my game more important. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I do my best to get people into the right mindset and, you know, figure out what's going on for them to get them right into that proper subspace or dialing in. And it's always nice to have some time in the beginning of a session, whether that's in person or for me now virtual to just spend a few minutes just talking about like, hey, where's your head at today? And how's it going? And what, what do you want to feel like today? And what are your expectations? So just kind of dialing it in. When did your interest start in going into being a professional dominatrix? Uh, when I moved out here after college and realized how expensive it is. <laughs> uh, so I needed a, a job and I had a part, uh, well, I had a full-time job and I had other friends who were professional doms um, on the East coast, but I just didn't pursue it. And then I just Googled Los Angeles and dungeon and started working at a commercial dungeon and things just really took off from there. You're not kidding when you talk about taking off from going <laughs> to working in another dungeon to having one and at one time two of your own. I don't know if the other one is going to open back up after COVID, but that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I don't, I don't really think any and no one else that I know has done that in Los Angeles. So, yes, we did have a Dungeon West for almost 10 years and I still have Dungeon East and that's been going on. I think six years now. So yeah, I was operating two for six years in Los Angeles. It's it's pretty bananas when I think about it. But yes, we did close Dungeon West in October of last year because of COVID, um, and it just made the most sense. So I'm glad that I I'm glad I got that other one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's still what, open. What have you missed the most? And as as we record this, uh, it's towards the end of January. What do you miss the most about the in-person sessions? Is it the connection with people? Is it the physicality? What is it that you miss the most? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's more, it is more of the physical because I still feel connected with my clients when I'm seeing them virtually, you know, but I think that I, I really miss a lot of my clients because uh, for, 
you know, their circum life circumstances have changed and it's not as easy for some people to do virtual sessions uh, because then there is an electronic paper trail. Um, and, you know, of course, because I'm not seeing, um, because I'm not seeing anyone in person, I'm also not traveling. So a lot of my clients are all over the country and all over the world. So I, I really do just miss my clients that I can't see right now. And some of them have reached out to me and I've talked to them a bit and, you know, but they, we can't see each other in person. Um, you know, so I'm looking forward to, cause some of my clients I've had for, I mean, as long as I've, you know, almost 10 years, a long mm -hmm. time, uh, you build like really good and real relationships with those people. Obviously confidentiality is at a paramount, especially in a town like Los Angeles. But in general terms, is there a client that you would have that would surprise us to know that you've had? <laughs> um, uh, I mean, really, like LA, it's such a small town. Are there any real secrets or surprises? <laughs> I don't think so. But I mean, yeah, I've definitely had or know of A-list celebrities that are kinky and into BDSM. Um, you know, some of them have been my clients <laughs> or some of them, you know, a lot of people are, you know, I've had a lot of clients that might not necessarily have notoriety, recognizable fame, but they're huge power players and very extremely wealthy people that you wouldn't know their names. But if I said they own this thing, mm -hmm. you would know what that thing is. So being in Los Angeles, you call it a small town because everybody kind of knows what everybody's doing and everybody's in the industry. How hard was it to get a foothold in LA being such a big town as it is? Well, I think the thing that really put me on the map is that I had Dungeon West and it raise the standard for all other dungeons. You know, I ran that as a business and that was, you know, there, there's other dungeons, there's other dungeons that have been around longer than mine, of course. And, you know, I felt like at the time, a couple years into the industry, I was really a noob, but the way that I ran it and the way that I designed it and being in Los Angeles, it immediately got on a lot of mainstream media and shows and was written about because of the way that I ran it. So really quickly it was internationally known and so was I and also because I traveled internationally so mm -hmm. you know I would go to different you know I remember going to like Berlin and seeing a client there and saying oh wow like I've been following you for years and I never thought you would come here but now you're here and like you're LA's top dog and now you're you know I mean I don't know what this means so much more any now because of you know virtual things and I feel like there's a lot of different categories and and stuff like that but I have a lot of mainstream credits under my so many in fact that maybe twitter will verify me according to their new terms of service i mean i'm not holding my breath i'm holding my slave's breath he's under the desk now <laughs> but um you know I've, I've so i've done a lot of those things not and then also just you know then doubling down and having dungeon east and that running it the same way and having exactly all the same things happen there where a lot of mainstream media shot in there i mean Dungeon East is on Gwyneth Paltrow's website, Goop. I mean, you can't, like, oh my, you know, I'm on Goop, you know, I'm done. <laughs> That's amazing. What was the difference in your dungeons that made it successful as opposed to some of the other dungeons? What was, was it a design difference? Was it a personality difference? Or was it just the heart of Justine Cross? Well, I think it's all of the above. I ran these dungeons as their own business. So they had their own website and social media that I adopted very early with SEO and all the social media that that's now a little problematic for our industry. Um, so I did that. I just applied, you know, regular, you know, sort of standard business rules to it. And I did so much outreach in the beginning and uh, I'm really just having a good SEO in the beginning helped me so, so much. Um, but also just the way that I designed it, where this was a space where it was, instead of being a couple of smaller rooms, it's, it, they're both spaces were an open floor plan studio. Mm. So you could have large productions in there. You could have, 
um, bigger, you know, sets, you could move everything around nothing. I wanted to design it in a way that you could build your own set and move everything. It had a very tall ceilings, hardwood floors, um, you know, things like that. And then just, you know, you know, being professional and, and following up with people and keeping it, you know, well run. I have a couple of assistants who are doing all these things for me to keeping mm -hmm. it clean and, and running it and stuff like that. So, um, but again, I mean, I, it's just, again, because being in LA, a lot of production, both mainstream and porn is happening here. So mm -hmm. people are using this space. They're not going to use a space that's really small or that is in someone's residence. Um, you know, usually you're not allowed to shoot there. It's very complicated to shoot in there mm -hmm. and, you know, things like that. Have you been to my dungeons? Where are you? I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio. So I have not been to one of your dungeons. <laughs> I used to travel on the West Coast an awful lot. And if I was still on the West Coast, I would definitely come down and say hello. Oh, okay. uh, because uh, I, I do appreciate not only from the standpoint of BDSM, lovely dungeons, but mm -hmm. as the standpoint of a former television producer, I also appreciate good locations and good mm -hmm. sets. Mm -hmm. Are there any shows that we would know about that we could recognize your dungeon from? Oh my God. Yeah. A lot. I mean, I like which ones, let's see. I'd have to like, honestly go through the list. There's so many. It's like, you know, at dungeon West, there was uh, the most recent was love and hip hop Shaws of sunset. Um, a lot of like other shows that were on A&E Bravo epics. We filmed some stuff for Quibi which, you know, didn't work out, but that had nothing to do with me. I mean, both me and Chrissy Teigen were on Quibi. That's how much it was going to fail, that we couldn't keep it afloat. I think it's going to be transferred to like, I don't know, something else now. Um, well, oh, Lifetime's Little Women was at Dungeon East. Um, and, and, you know, and then in terms of porn, kink.com shot there, Evil Angel shot there, um, uh, Joanna Angel shot there for her, a few different projects she had. And just, you know, so many things that I don't even know. Oh, Carly um, Servertino, she's also known as Slut Ever. She filmed some show there. I mean, I don't even know the stuff that goes on there because, you know, you get like this paperwork and that paperwork never names what the thing is. It's like show to be determined mm -hmm. with some production thing that has nothing to do with where it's going to be and where it's going to end up. So there's probably more that I don't even know about. Like, so just please tag me if you see it. <laughs> you have a lot of media appearances, whether it be on A&E or Funny or Die or, or VH1. Have you had a favorite appearance that you kind of consider your trademark appearance? Ooh, that's a good one. I forgot about Funny or Die. That was a good one too, where I got paid to go watch Fifty Shades Darker. But it was actually really good. I actually liked it. It was a good movie. The premise was like, I was supposed to be electrocuting this guy on his arm, like with the arrows tech. But every time something bad happened in the movie, and I'm like, I don't know, I just like it. And then I would just electrocute him for like random things, like getting some popcorn. Um, so that was really funny. It was a good sport. Um, hmm. Oh man, I'm like, they're all, um, let me think, you know, I think I really enjoyed, I did one with, I think it was epics. It was like sex, the untold story or something. And that mm -hmm. was really fun because it was a, a couple from North or South Carolina and they were just really sweet and excited to explore and really fun and like just really into it. And it just was so nice because they, I think they were married for really, they look so young to me. They were, I think they were married for like 20 years. I was like, mm. you guys look like fresh out of high school. They look so young. And it, it's just so nice, like helping couples explore and, you know, do fun things together in the dungeon. And yeah, that was, that was really lovely. I'm trying to think of, God, I don't know. They were just, honestly, they were all really good. And the ones that were bad, I'm never going to talk about publicly. <laughs> Do you want to leave us a comment, thought, or have something to contribute to the show? You can now call or text us at the 3W hotline at 513-788-2527. That's 513-788-2527. Or drop us an email at john, J-O-N, at datingkinky.com. That's john, J-O-N, at datingkinky.com. We can't wait to hear from you. Hi, my name is Lian Yao, 
and I'm an audiobook narrator who is also polyamorous. I just wanted to let you know about some audiobooks on polyamory I think you might enjoy. You can find Love in Abundance, The Jealousy Workbook, The Polyamory Breakup Book, and When Someone You Love is Polyamorous on audible.com. Just search my name, Leanne Yao, spelt L-E-A-N-N-E-Y-A-U. Please also check out my episode on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Hi, this is Jane Boone, the author of the novel Edge Play. It's a revenge fantasy where the big short meets Fifty Shades of Grey. Only the women wield the whips and the billionaires submit. You can find it at Amazon in paperback or for your Kindle. And be sure to check out my episode with Tara Indiana right here on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Thank you. Do you want to hear episodes way before their release date? Commercial free and with an exclusive and always interesting five more minutes? Then support the show at patreon.com slash whatwomenwantpodcast. And you can be a part of an actual upcoming show. We sure do thank you for your support. And now, back to this episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. The difference between male and female clients. I have discussed on this show that um, I've had therapists say I have a very androgynous mind because I think back to the days of improv that it is said that women improvisers and men improvisers have two different ways of thinking. Men get a problem, look for the solution and go straight towards it. While women will get a problem, see the solution, but they will explore everything around them before getting to that solution. Is that the same way in play? Is there a difference between playing with men and playing with women in what you have to create for them? Um, I think that's really hard to answer because I just don't have a big enough sample size of women to compare it to men. <laughs> my I, One of my degrees is in psychology. Um, <laughs> so it's just really hard for me to say because it's, you know, I think because I think overall, the only thing that I could say is different is that overall, generally speaking, that there's just more entitlement and privilege, you know, entitlement from men because of their privilege Mm -hmm. that I don't find happens with women. Um, But then I've also had some female clients that were really pushy who thought that they could get away with more because they're like, oh, well, we're both girls. And I'm like, well, no, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think that's the only thing I would say because I've had, you know, honestly, very generous and wonderful clients. I think that, I think that the other thing that I could say is because women are very practiced on making personal appointments for themselves, like doing things like hairdressing and nail appointments mm-hmm. and all those kinds of things, they understand the booking process so much better and they understand how that needs to be done very clearly and that needs to you know you need to be on time and you need to confirm and you it's nice to tip people or look at their website and and give gifts and and I think that that's what I see a little bit more care on I mean again I you know I make my own prices I can say whatever I want you know I'm not necessarily expecting a tip um, although that's nice but I think that that's the one thing I notice with women because they just make more of these personal appointments for themselves and they treat it in this way, like it's part of their self-care mm-hmm. in a way that maybe men don't, they don't connect it that way. And a lot of men, I think that, again, this is my sample that I'm seeing and I'm seeing more client uh, couples now, but I see men as doing this more as like, I'm gonna see you to have this really complicated solution to avoid the problem of not talking to my partner about doing the thing that I want to do with them versus women who are coming as a couple or coming to see me because they're like, I really like this and I want to do this with someone, but I don't really know what I'm doing. And like, I'm single or like, I want more experience and like, let's just have fun together. Um, Most of my clients do have a partner and they don't want to do this thing with them (laughs) for whatever reason. (laughs) Did you have a mentor in this? Was there somebody that took you under their wing or was it a combination of people that helped you get to where you are? 
Yeah, I didn't have a specific mentor. It was a combination of people. And honestly, I learned a lot from my my male play partners or male, like uh, just, you know, boyfriends um, mm. that helped me in terms of how to do the kinky things, like how to do these different levels of skill BDSM. And I had one friend in particular who, who I'm still friends with now, who's was really great about showing me the business side of things. And, you know, he bought me my website, losangelesdominatrix.com, which was really important for early SEO um, and stuff like that. So I really learned a lot from him. Um, but I also learned a lot from my clients because people wanted to see me and they wanted to do something particular. Like I had one person who was very much into advanced CBT with an Aeros tech, um, which I had, but I didn't know how to use it. So I said, mm. oh, okay, well, if you want to, if you want to play, like you got to show me what to do. And, you know, then you showed me and I'm a quick study. I'm a smart girl. So, mm -hmm. you know, then we had a lot of fun together. What did you imagine yourself doing growing up? Um, you know, I always thought that I was going to go to grad school and pursue a degree in education and get a PhD, but, you know, I've had uh, two long-term partners who went to grad school and I realized I don't want to be treated like that. <laughs> mm. Looks, it's very shitty. Um, so yeah, I, you know, but I, I always thought I'd, I, and I do, I have a really fabulous, interesting, wonderful life. So that's, that part is all working out. So I, I really enjoy being my own boss and entrepreneur and having my own business. And that is a delight. Well, the words that come out of your mouth are amazing in the fact that you talk about SEO, you talk about business terms, you talk about the ability to reach certain audiences. So I actually thought that you came from a business background oh. <laughs> and that you might have wanted to go into business in a different way growing up. Uh, no, that's interesting. You mentioned that I actually, I, I have degrees in literature and psychology. Um, so I thought I was, I actually went into school um, with a creative writing major and I thought that's totally useless. Let me go for the so much more useful degree in literature. And that's why, you know, <laughs> that's why, you know, you go into sex work because this is what you do with a liberal arts education. Um, but yeah, I've actually at one point thought about going to business school because everyone's like, you're doing really well with business. You're doing a good job. And, you know, I, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty confident and uh, good about the decisions I've made, especially now during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, and, but, you know, at this point, I, you know, if I was going to go back to school for anything, it would probably just to be like a one-off class or something like that. And not, you know, like a full on thing to incur that debt and like terrible treatment. Like academia is like, a real shithole. I have a lot of friends in it and, and people and teaching and stuff. It's like really fucking toxic. And I don't want to be treated that way. <laughs> I would understand that. How much did your psychology study go into what you're doing now? Um, you know, it's interesting that you ask that because I usually get asked that once I mentioned that I have a degree in psychology and I was just thinking the last couple of days that, you know what, I really don't think it's factored in at all until COVID because now with COVID, I, you know, have been doing things like reading reports from epidemiologists and like the New England Journal School of Music and understanding early on that even though uh, here in California and particularly in Los Angeles, we've had one of the stricter lockdowns and they've always just kind of moved the goalpost. Whoa, I made a sports metaphor. Right? I, I metaphor. Was that right? Was that right? They moved the goalpost? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so, um, you know, they kept saying, oh, it'll be a couple months. It'll be a couple months and we'll open. And I'm looking at the data and reading about what what's going on and what's happening. And I said to myself and my partner, I'm like, you know, this is going to be bad. I don't, we're not coming out of this in two months. And we immediately made a lot of business decisions together. Um, she has her own business. She's a hypnotherapist um, and immediately shifted my business to 100% online. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, now that we're 10 months into this and, you know, seeing what's going on in a lot of places, people are um, closing their spaces and, you know, they didn't, um, or they didn't enough move things onto the online. And, you know, and now I'm seeing like, I'm still predicting this is going to, we're going to be in some kind of lockdown. We're not going to have so much change for us for at least the rest of the year. Um, and I know that's not what people want to hear, 
but they definitely didn't want to hear it last May when I was saying, look, we're not getting out of this in like a week or a month. Like that's not going to happen unless you're lucky enough to be listening in from Australia or Taiwan mm-hmm. um, because they closed the borders immediately and have not let anyone in and they're living normal lives and we're not, and we're not going to be. Um, things are getting better, but it's, um, you know, the in terms of like the vaccine rollout, yes, it's effective, but we have no, um, we have no logistical um, plan that's ever been done before to roll out a vaccine in this way. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's still, I'm sorry, everyone listening in America, it's just going to be a minute, (laughs) it's going to be a while, but, um, you know, I think that helped me the most. And, you know, I'm really, really glad and thankful that I made all the decisions I did the way that I did last year and really hunkered down and, and did this. And I'm, yes, we did have to close Dungeon West. And that was, of course, bittersweet, but it was because of the pandemic and people weren't using it. And I wasn't using it. Um, I wasn't seeing anyone in person. So, you know, like I said, I have another dungeon. I moved, you can't, well, you can't see it because I have this like weird background up. <laughs> but it's like I have, I'm sitting in my new condo and it's like my new office dungeonette. So, by the way, we were talking about uh, tips and gifts and women taking care of themselves. Have you been successful in getting a tribute for your first Manny Petty of 2021 yet? Um, I don't know because I just posted that and then I was like, oh shit, we have like a thing to do. Why are you offering? Do you want to send it on over? I just happened to see that on your Twitter feed. Well, you can send it to me, John. You can just drop it. I think we're, I will even give you my cash app. I don't like to give it to just anybody, but I'll give it to you. Well, usually I pay for it with my, one of my slaves credit cards, but they're not taking credit cards because I think it's a little like on the DL situation. So I had to use my my personal funds. I was like, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that. I've, I've been getting more requests to, to post bills and things online to get them, uh, you know, taken care of by, by various losers. Um, and, you know, so I'm going to start doing that a lot more often because why should I have to pay for things? It's, pay for things in this economy? It's ridiculous. The difference between virtual and in-person I am personally going through a huge amount of touch starvation. And for me, getting to go to play parties and and being a bottom or having a partner there was always so much about the touch. Mm. How are you able to get through that bridge virtually to be able to connect with your clients in a deep way without being able to get through this wall called a, mo- a monitor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I, I talk about that a lot in my class where I made uh, called Thriving Virtually Translating Online to, uh, I'm, tra- I'm sorry, translating in real life to online for sex workers because mm-hmm. a lot of people like never did online sex work before or just a little bit and dabble and they're like, how do I do it? I don't know. And I said, you know, you have to think about all the senses that you have, which are, you know, depending on the virtual, it's like we, we can see each other right now. You can hear me. Um, and then just to really use that to describe everything else. So I'm doing a lot of things with my voice to describe how it would feel if I was there, my nails on your skin, um, you know, my my voice in the back of your neck and, you know, the smell of my perfume and talking about that. And you can feel the warmth of my body. And, you know, I'm not going to session with you right now. I see where you're going with that. I'm too smart, but like, you know, so it's like that, um, you know, putting back those senses as much as you can. And, you know, I, I mean, I can, I've done texting sessions with people and they're like, Oh my God, this is great. Like, you know, cause everyone's like, Oh, I can't, you know, <laughs> what, what, what they can do. Um, you know, it's uh, sometimes it's almost better doing just the voice because I very creative imagination and I, mm-hmm. I do love to talk. So how much of BDSM is visual realizing that, of course, you have sensory deprivation from time to time and you'll blindfold and things like that. But how much of it is visual and how much do you enjoy that aspect of it? Hmm. Well, I'm fucking gorgeous. So I would assume most people are seeing me because I am fucking gorgeous. So it's certainly a selling point when you reach out to me. Um, Yeah, I I think that, but again, what's great is that it's so much is 
you know, yeah, it is about the looks and particularly the way that I look, what is appealing to people being like tall, thin, brunette, no tattoos, beautiful smiles, stunning, sparkling green eyes. <laughs> um, and, you know, tall, you know, like uh, muscle, you know, thin muscle body and stuff like that. So I think a lot of that is that, you know, and also just having the image of a dominatrix. And I would always I'd always sort of crack up because when I would see people in person or even when I do virtual sessions, I ask people, oh, do you have any outfit requests? And they always say, sometimes people say like, oh, can you wear something black and high heels? And I'm like, well, yeah, that's like the outfit of a dominatrix. Like what are people wearing in session? And, you know, sometimes people want a casual look, like sometimes like for, if I'm doing, you know, some people want it to be very normal looking and, and that's fine too. But, you know, I always, I, I love outfit requests. I love dressing up. Uh, so it's interesting to me when like, what are other people dressing up? What are they doing? Mm -hmm. um, well, as you can tell, and I don't know if I ever signed my name when I, uh, sent notes to you, but my scene name is Hi There Catsuit, which might tell you <laughs> the kind of outfit that I would enjoy. <laughs> oh, yes. A latex catsuit. I saw my first one in person at a King convention last year, and I think my friend almost had to pick me up off the ground. No. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the education that you do, because you've done not only talks online, but you've talked to groups such as over at UCLA. Mm -hmm. That must be not only an amazing experience for you, but I'm also interested to know what the experience was feeling the audience come back to you and how they responded to you. And were they awestruck because there's this gorgeous, tall brunette dominatrix in front of them? Or did they, were is it more curiosity that they had? Yeah, well, I think that in terms of like more of the mainstream where I was physically going and part of like at UCLA, at UCLA, I did it for three different groups. One of them was for part of like a take back the night and it was more about consent and boundaries and things. Mm -hmm. And that was good, but it was just disappointing because most of the people who showed up were women and which is like so weird. I'm like, what's going on at UCLA that like men, like these, you know, college kids don't want to show to be a dominant to see a dominatrix like you would think there would be like tons of them I'm like wow it's really weird um so that was a little um I mean it's like not as sexy it's not as fun because you're talking about like rape it was tying it was you know the, that kind of thing and you know when I did it with um I did it at once for a UCLA sorority so that was exciting for me and I asked them I said do you do you all have pillow fights and they just giggled. It was really interesting. They're just like all these women coming out of no anyway. Um, you know, and I, I think I connected most with a UCLA group that was uh, doing it um, for their LGBTQ community, their their faction there. And I felt really connected um, because like, those are my people. And I'm like, hey, everyone, we're going to have a fun time and we're going to party. So um, it, it's really nice. I think the ones that have it's been like for youth groups, like in the queer community for me, because they see me um, as a peer, but also someone to look up to. And that's nice because, you know, even though everything is, it's, I, I feel like it's, things are still getting better in the queer community, but there's still just not a ton of representation. And especially as someone who identifies as femme and queer, people say, oh, wow, okay, I can look like you, or this is a representation of what I like or what I want to be like, and this is what you can do. Um, and, and that's very empowering. It's empowering to show people, um, the youth and queer communities that you can have your own business and you can be respected. And these are things that are an option to you. So I always joke it's a very popular one because some some things tend to be Debbie Downers in these, in these <laughs> talks or realms. So. I did notice when I first approached you to be on the show, I saw a live Instagram that you were doing where you were talking about giving back to the community. You give back to the community in so many ways from what you were talking about on that particular day to, I know you work with the Keep Abreast Foundation and LGBTQ things like LA Pride. What drives you in that manner? Why is it so important for you to give back 
as well as be the businesswoman that you are? Um, yeah, that's a really great question. I, well, for different ones, I mean, for breast cancer, for um, uh, Keep a Breast, um, which I actually haven't worked with in a while, but um, I have raised a lot of money from them in the past. I should work with them more, but October for the last four years has just been such a terrible time, you know? It's like really a bad stress. That, that's the only reason I haven't worked with them because for like literally the last four years, October has not been good. Um, you know, but my, my mother died of breast cancer when I was very young. So that's why I like working with that organization. Um, and it's important to me because I have, um, I, I have, you know, time on my hands and I also have money and, you know, this is, so I like to donate, you know, financially and give my support, but also working with the communities. It's because these are the things that are important to me. And, you know, I, I, I don't think that there's been any organization that's particularly helped me or like if I, uh, when I was younger and needed that, that there was something that was helpful to me, but it's just like, I have the spoons in so many ways and I, I want to do that. Um, because again, it's like the more visibility to these pro to these things that are happening and, and normalizing it or uh, for like mental health help or, you know, unfortunately Los Angeles right now for the first time I've been donating to the LA food bank because we have a food scarcity issue. And I, you know, I routinely donate every month to various things, but I generally don't talk about it because that seems like like a oh look I'm doing such good work here like pat me on the back but I've I've recently just started talking about that more because I want people to know how dire things are and also that I'm not just yes it's like super hot to think of Justine Cross like with a ton of fucking money in her like you know closet full of Louboutins and that's true that's also happening <laughs> but I also care about my community and a lot and it's 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 very fucked up to me that we have so much money in this country, in this world. And, you know, right now there's over 40,000 people um, homeless in Los Angeles right now. And that just absolutely does not need to be the reality. And um, so I want to, you know, raise awareness to that. That's a different kind of beauty that you have. And I know that I appreciate it and I hope more people do as well. And so well done you. you on that. You have done so much in so little time. What goals do you still have in front of you? <laughs> oh, God. Well, you know, I want to go to Antarctica. And I... <laughs> I understand there are a lot of people on FetLife that live in Antarctica, and it's got a big king community. <laughs> yeah, it does. I... Well, you know, what are my goals? Well, it's interesting because there's so many things that I was, you know, like many others were supposed to do last year and didn't, you know, happen. I was, you know, uh, in early production of working on my own TV show. Um, and I don't know when that's going to happen now because I'm not wanting to be around anyone else, you mm -hmm. know? So um, I have a meeting later this week to discuss what we're doing with all that footage. Um, so uh, that might be on pause for a little while longer. Um, I, I actually do want to do my own podcast uh, for myself. And I, I'm finally getting this kind of together in a way where I feel like I'm in a face physically and other things I can do this. Um, I have a very lofty goal of making seven figures this year. And I'm doing that because I, you know, I can't travel this year and I got a lot of, well, I can't travel exactly in the ways that mm -hmm. I want to. So I've got a lot more time on my hands. I'm, you know, not a, you know, so I'm like, fuck it. Let's just go for it. Let's just, let's just do it. Let's just try it. I've never done it before. That's quite a leap from my, my current status, which is pretty high anyway, but I'm like, let's just go for it. Why not? Why not? You know? Of all the things you'd like to publicize the most, what are some of the top ones that you'd like to? Uh, in terms of my, what my, Oh, just all, this is where the plugging part. <laughs> Golden Girls is the best show ever. Is that what you mean? I don't know. It is. It's a great, it's a great show. It's very, very kinky. <laughs> as far as future projects that are going on during this virtual time, what are some of the things that people should know about and have uh, to look forward to when it comes to Justine Cross presenting amazing things? Yeah. Uh, well, over the last year, we did a lot of classes and made a lot of new classes, and we're going to take a, a step back from that <laughs> for a while because we've done them all a million times. So if you want to see them, they're up on Gumroad. Um, excuse me, but this year I'm going to I'm going to move 
towards a little bit more events. Um, so we just did a virtual tour of the dungeon, which we normally do an open house. So I think we're going to be doing that in a couple of different ways and formats. Um, but I'm also throwing my first virtual play party uh, called BD. Well, it's it was always called BDSM, which is a play party for cis and trans women. And now it's cyber BDSM because it's online. Um, so I'm doing that. Uh, well, I don't know when this is coming out, but <laughs> that will be happening um, for my birthday in February. Mm -hmm. And we're going to try to do that every other month. Um, I'm most likely going to be doing LA King Pride again, um, another year older and wiser without having like one month to pr produce a mega huge event. My partner, I think, has just forgiven me for all the <laughs> things that I made her do during that time. I think, I'm not sure, but I ha she doesn't know how many cookies I have in the fridge waiting for her. So I'm forgiveness is on the front. But um, yeah, I think just you know, the I'm, I'm going to switch to be doing more virtual events this year. And if I'm doing classes, it's going to be through other people's platforms. So looking out for LA King Pride. And I really, I'm just going to do my podcast this year. I think this was the year I've been wanting to do this forever. And I think I'm finally just ready and I should just get it off my plate. So, Well, best of luck in starting that. Justine, you have been an absolute joy to have as a guest with us on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. And I hope we can visit again sometime. And maybe when you have your podcast, we can help you out there a little bit. <laughs> All right. I would love that. I would very much enjoy having help from people who've been doing this for a while. Thanks so much. Thank you. It is so wonderful to meet an intelligent human who uses every talent that they have to become their authentic self. I really appreciate Mistress Cross taking the time to talk to us. Next week on April 9th, as awesome April continues, we will meet a former adult film star, former dating and lifestyle coach, and current radio talk show host on Sirius XM Channel 415, wrestling podcast host, Twitch gamer, and cosplayer. It's the amazing Annie Cruz joining us on the podcast. I'm John, a.k.a. Hi there, Catsuit, thanking you for joining us, as always, for What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. Here's reminding you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. To support the show, visit patreon.com slash whatwomenwantpodcast. Leave us a message at 513-788-2527. And we invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. We're kinky done differently. 